Welcome to Literary Anything, our Marianne Libraries podcast where we talk about anything literary and literary anything. I'm Paula. I'm Selma. Welcome, Selma, to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Selma is our team leader here at the Cove Civic Centre Library and a po- podcast newbie. Yeah, but will you get my title correct? Because <laughs> oh. you can never do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't test me right now. <laughs> Thank you for having me today. I'm nervous and excited and... Long-time listener, first-time podcaster, like you said. (laughs) (laughs) So we thought we'd ask Selma a few quick-fire questions to get to know her as a reader. So are you ready for this, Selma? No, and please don't ask me about any books I'd take on a deserted island. I hate oh. that question. <laughs> now I want to ask it. Yeah. <laughs> so naff. Well, this is an easy one. Best book you have read in the last year? It's not easy because I've actually, being new to libraries, I've picked up a lot of books and mm. I've read a lot of good books. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and I think the podcast has helped me find good reading material as well because being a mum of two you hardly have any time to do anything mm. so I think the one that really tore me up was probably lessons in chemistry oh, I knew you were gonna yeah. say that <laughs> was that on the podcast was that before no, my time no nah. no I feel like I'm late to the party with lessons in chemistry <laughs> I am very late to the yeah. party because it's on my to be read list oh really yeah. still mm. okay yeah I just loved Elizabeth and Calvin and I love their dog, 6.30. I loved everything about that book. And she was so on the spectrum and I really identified. And, <laughs> and I listened to it in audiobook format. And normally the, I guess, the actors really put quite a lot of vibrancy into their voices. And this one was, she was really deadpan and really flat in the way that she spoke. Because she was supposed to be. Yeah, I think, right. yeah, well, I think well, they didn't actually say it, but mm. clearly she was. Cool. So I enjoyed that. So a good one mm. to listen to. Mm, definitely, definitely. Okay, so how about your all-time favourite book and why? Again, hard, but I think one of the books I've read quite a few times is The Power of One by Bryce Courtney. Oh, yeah. And I, I read it as a teenager in high school and then I read it at uni, in uni, sorry, and then I read it again as a, an adult. And, yeah, I think you get something different out of it every time and it's just a really powerful book. It was one of the first ones where I think I was old enough to realise that no, the movie is not better than the book. Ah. Before then it's always been about the movie. So That is yeah. a special book that you can go back that first of all you want to go back and revisit it over yeah. and over again and that yeah you bring something different to it as you mature. Yeah definitely. It, it I brings think, yeah, something different to you. Your life experience mm. and I guess because it was about apartheid um, in South Africa as well so being a person of colour I think that does change your perspective and as you grow and evolve mm. into your to your colourness, I guess, growing up in Australia. So, yeah, I think it, I just got something different out of it every time I read it. Oh, that's mm. one of my partner's favourite books oh, as really? well. So, yeah, yeah. I still haven't read it, though. Do haven't it. read any Do it. Bryce Courtney, I'm ashamed to say. So he's a really – he writes a lot of saga stuff. Mm. So unless you have time – Okay. Patience. It's yeah. It's full What's on. What's the? Is it Rebecca? Is that Jessica? Jessica. That's yeah. what I was thinking of. Yeah. Though I, I do say Power of One is my favourite, but then the one after it, Tandia, is actually really oh, good. Oh, I as haven't well. even heard of that one. Tandia is um, PK, who's in the Power of One. He's oh, the yeah. um, the main character. Tandia is his girlfriend, and it follows Tandia's life through um, South Africa as well. So. Right. 
Good one. So what's your favorite genre then? Hmm. Despite the fact of James just, Patterson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact I've just said two books that I really love, my favorite genre is probably crime, murder. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah uh, what does Andrea say? Procedural Procedural crime, crime yes. makes her feel calm. Yeah. Yes, it calms me so much <laughs> because you know what's going to happen. And I think with those books, and yes, I do read James Patterson, <laughs> shoot me. With those books, you know it's going to end really neat and tidy. Mm. And I like that. Right. There's been a few books I've read this year that don't have that neat and tidy ending. It just has not sat well with me. Okay. So I need to go back to my James Patterson and right. just, yeah, have that everything's resolved, everyone's happy, right. Alex Cross walks away really happy. <laughs> <laughs> so do you prefer reading ebooks, physical books or audiobooks and why? Oh, definitely an audiobook mm. because I'm a mum and I can vacuum and yes. have an audiobook. I can do my, my Sunday baking. If you're a mum, uh-huh. you know what Sunday baking is. So I do everything ready for lunch boxes and I've put in an audiobook and it's my me time. Yes. It's so funny because the kids come around the kitchen and see me with my headphones in and they're like, oh, and then they go <laughs> find their dad. <laughs> Right, yes, because it's mum's time. (laughs) I'm definitely an audiobook girly as well. So what did you do before you started in libraries? Because for everyone listening, Selma used to be a teacher. Mm. So she came to us as a sort of a library newbie in a way. Oh, definitely. um, Still am. Yes, I'm wondering (laughs) how you got your baking and vacuuming done before audiobooks. I did not work full time. Uh. (laughs) So I was fortunate enough to be able to stay home a couple of days a week with my children Mm -hmm. back then and to be honest when I had kids I went through this massive reading slump huge Mm. I don't even think I picked up a book because yeah I was saying I had two under two for a little while and then being a teacher as well you just give so much of yourself that Mm. any spare time that you have usually either goes to sleeping Mm. Or, you know, trying to do something for yourself, like maybe like, you know, pluck your eyebrows or (laughs) shave your legs or whatever. Or even if you have even an extra minute talking to your partner. (laughs) Maybe at the bottom of the list. at the bottom of the list, poor guy. (laughs) So, yeah, before that, I probably just was in a huge reading slump. And I did a lot of true crime podcasts in my car Uh, driving to and from work. I think lots of mums and people can relate to that. you want the adult content because you're sick and tired of listening to the wiggles or what have you so yeah (laughs) yeah definitely Uh, and where is your last one where is your favorite place to read Hmm. I have a combustion heater at home Mm. so if I do have a physical book it would be in front of the combustion heater at home yeah but now the warmer weather's coming I'm trying to get outside a little bit more I want to say I help my partner garden but I actually don't I just watch him I'm like a desperate (laughs) housewife I watch him while he does it yeah with my book I love it (laughs) and a glass beside you or something (laughs) probably be a cup of tea Mm. um yeah so yeah probably outside or in front of the in winter in front of the combustion heater nice Where's well, your favourite place to read? Because you're a Hills girl too. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much the same. Yeah. I'm exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, I've been sitting by the fire. And then, yeah, now that it's nicer, I've been trying to sit outside as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You've just had a, a month-long hiatus. Mm. So I'm interested to hear at the end of this podcast what you thought of this book. Because they do uh, have like the sort of the retreat yes. in it as well, don't they? That's right. Mm. Yeah, I thought you were going to ask me about what I read while I was no, away. No, because I, I didn't dare. do very well. <laughs> I did not do well, yeah, when we talk about what we what else we've read, you'll find out yeah. that not much. But, but for this month, mm. we read Storylines by Carrie Cox. And I thought I would read the little blurb on the back. 
I love your voice when you do this. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I try. (laughs) NASA keeps the world at arm's length. It's easier that way for everyone. Her orbit is no bigger than her sister, her parents, and a solitary work colleague with a penchant for people's dying words. But even these people don't see the real NASA. Saddled with her father's impossible gift, a rundown homestead in the middle of nowhere, Nessa reluctantly develops a wellness retreat of sorts called Nevada, a no-frills escape for women. All too quickly, keeping her distance becomes a trickier dance, even for someone so good at it. But the toughest test of Nessa's resolve takes the shape of her feisty niece, Lily, whose offer to help promote Nevada comes with caveats and who ultimately holds up a mirror to a life that neither of them feels ready to see. Deeply moving and sharply funny storylines is a novel about how we see ourselves in an age of distortion. I mean, what what a good blurb. I know. Yeah. I know. And so well read. So well read. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Now, you picked this, so tell me why before we start. Yeah. Largely because of that blurb. I felt yeah. really compelled by that. It's funny, Jane and I used to say whenever it says that the novel is funny on the in the blurb or on the cover. It never was. It's never funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I did actually laugh out loud. Did you? Towards the end, I actually like had a guffaw. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was oh it was kind of funny. I okay. thought, but um, I don't know. I guess I was just expecting a little bit more humor. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I understand that. Like it's storylines, and it had there's so many different ways to tell story, and mm. so many different, I guess, aspects of the actual storyline and the relationships that she has with people through her storytelling. I just didn't think it was that funny, to be honest. Ah. I just thought it was really. It was a bit more serious than what I was expecting. It was definitely yeah. serious. And I guess I I think I kind of forgot about the fact that it said it was funny. So yeah. I wasn't really expecting yeah, that. Same. And so towards the end, there I just thought there were a couple moments of levity that kind of did make <laughs> me helped. chuckle. It helped. That, that yeah. lightened the mood. Yeah, because yeah. it was quite dark in places, wasn't it? It was. I guess, like, I liked the book. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I just felt that a lot of it was really surface level stuff and I guess that's coming off the back of reading some really great books this last month or so Mm. that have had that have gone really deep into people's psyche perception of beauty and just I guess you know I think the book is a lot about love and the way that Nessa sees herself and perceives herself and she doesn't actually love herself or her beauty but she does love her sister quite a lot Mm. and has Maya, her sister, up you know holds her up in high regard. Mm. Even talks about her hair a mm-hmm. lot and how if you have that beautiful hair, basically everything falls into your world, into your lap. You get whatever you want just because she's got hair. So I think, yeah, just because I'd read quite a few books about beauty, you know, I read Honey Bee and mm. Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and. I just didn't think this was as deep as the others. Every time she went to have a conversation, like when she had to have a conversation with her mum, and it just ends in just nothing and she has a conversation with her sister and then you don't really get to dive deep into it you just sort of fast forward three weeks or fast forward a couple of days or you know the chapters were really short and it just never gave you I just wanted more I just every chapter or every experience she had or story she had with people I just really wanted more right and and maybe that is really good writing to leave you wanting just felt that I could have had a bit more explanation around some of the things yeah, I do love a book with short chapters, so I did yeah. love that yeah. about yeah. <laughs> about this book. And they, they weren't all short chapters, but yeah, yeah it was. It, it makes it, yeah. Had the moments where it was pacey mm. and and it it 
guided you through it. I thought it was interesting that I, I found it to be a very easy read. And yeah, for so a book easy. that was really character driven, mm. I thought, like not a lot happens in it, but I still wanted to keep reading. So yeah. I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah, it nearly needs another kind of book after it. So okay. like, where is she now? Type right. Because I think her being comfortable in herself was like basically the last chapter of the book. Yeah. And I guess that is why you keep reading because she is so uncomfortable. And I should say we're going to include stories (laughs) as spoilers spoilers in this discussion. Yeah. I can't keep a secret. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess that is the narrative that um, compels you through the, the, the story is that, is she going to be happy with herself in the end? Yeah. And it is very understated. I agree with you that I feel like this book is a lot about what's is as much about what's unsaid what she's left unsaid as it is about what she does say um yeah yeah. I think I think the author actually does that quite well when you Mm. when you say that because I think you don't even find out about we haven't even really talked about the book yet so yeah yeah, maybe we should do that we talk about what goes on in the book (laughs) before we start doing this So, yeah, I guess let's talk about, I, we, we've been saying about Ness being unhappy with herself. Mm. Let's talk about why she's so unhappy with herself and her appearance yeah. and the accident that um, tragically fell on her family. Yeah, so Ness, she is a teenager, I think, or late teens, early 20s when they, her and her Sister and dad are taking a drive to a retreat. And, well, it's not a retreat at that time. No, is at it? that time it's, it's a family just property. A, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's a family property. So she decides to drive an, in a car by herself and her sister, who normally would be the driver, says she's too tired and drives with dad. So they're sort of going along in this convoy and dad and sister at the front. Ness is in the car behind. Um, the car in front is towing a trailer and the, the trailer comes off the car and causes an accident. And as a result, Ness gets some horrific facial injuries from that accident. So she's put in hospital and you don't actually know all of this in the book until probably about a hundred and I think it was like a hundred and seventy pages in. All right. Um, yeah, you get drop, you yeah, get you drip get feed, feed the yeah. story. So it alludes yeah. to the fact that something's happened, that mm. there's something, you know, she talks about her routine. Yes. That she does every morning. So there's something. Capital R routine. routine in quotation in bunny ears, air bunnies. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you you get – it alludes to the fact there's something not right there, but you don't actually know what's happened. And then we mentioned in the blurb her father's impossible gift. And so what that refers to is this – family property that her family and particularly I think it was from her father's side of the family Mm. and they never really knew what to do with it Mm. and he gave it to Nessa and it was completely unquestioned by Maya Maya's the older sister and she completely does not question the fact that the father just gives this gift to Nessa obviously because he of his guilt over what's happened to her yeah um and they call it the guilt voucher mm. in the book as well, which is yeah, a telling of because it's Maya, it doesn't it? Maya yeah. calls it that. Well, it's or do they both? I think they both do, mm. or maybe she, that's something that she's sort of thought about herself. But I did post-it note that part. So Ness goes on to create this amazing. Well, it's not amazing yet, but mm. she goes on to create a retreat for women who can spend. I, I couldn't work out whether they were spending three days there or five days there. Or oh, I got the, the impression frame. that it was. Yeah, I got the yeah. impression it was much longer. Okay. 
Yeah. But I guess she never explicitly says. No, no. And it starts off, the book starts off um, at a retreat and it ends at a retreat. Mm. And I think that was a nice way to to bookend it. Mm. But as soon as like um, I got to the end and I was like, oh my God, she's at the retreat. They're going to end it at another retreat. And I just haven't found out enough about Nessa. And I just, uh. I just don't know if she's feeling good about herself yet. So yeah, I was a bit disappointed in that, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because to me... So, yeah, definitely spoilers. Mm. The fact that – because so she also, as well as having Nevada, which is what Mm. the retreat is called, she also has her day job at an aged care facility. And one of her coworkers is Campbell. And they kind of have this – they have a very friendly relationship where they have lunch together every day under this tree. Yeah. And they share stories. It's very romantic. I I don't know. It's kind of (laughs) romantic. It's supposed to be. (laughs) But um, Nessa is definitely holding Campbell at arm's length through the entire book. And he tries gently – you know, obviously she's got her walls up and he's trying Mm. gently to persuade her to have more of a relationship with him. He's very, he's very gentle. He's very kind. He's very loving. Yeah, and I, just, I feel like he's a bit too good to be true. Yeah, I know, totally. Yeah, because <laughs> he's also handsome. <laughs> yes, yeah, but like, she can't see it. Yeah, she can't see it. But everyone else can. It's geeky like, and wordy yes. and handsome. He's like yeah. my perfect guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she. I think like she keeps everyone at arm's length. Yes, though. yeah. That's the whole. It's the thing. Yeah, yeah. and it, it is you know directly result from the accident that she had. Yeah, she routine. talks about yeah. yeah, yeah, and the routine. Obviously, mm. the routine. So the routine is her applying makeup to her face every morning and it's pretty it sounds like pretty significant I think she even calls it scaffolding at some point yeah she Um, refers to it and she's got like names for all of her scars and she refers to it as like the Nile or the system of rivers that run through the Nile mm. um yeah so it's it's pretty pretty full-on but do you know I was googling Carrie Cox and I found an article about her referring to her own routine ah so Carrie Cox actually has two scars from I think she's a cancer survivor so she's got Uh, facial scarring as well and she has her own routine right I wondered how she Mm. had such good insight into this process yeah Yeah. so the the article referred to or talked about Carrie's own understanding of beauty Mm. as well so I think this whole book was based on what your perception of beauty is and what real true beauty is, I guess. So she's written here, the only reason women aren't running the world by now, a male colleague said recently, is because they're still in the bathroom getting ready. It was a joke, of course, and my good-natured colleague is fluent in them, but I admit to laughing a, a little less enthusiastically than the other women in the room because in that moment I'd felt seen and seen is the thing I worked very hard either to avoid or control. It takes up a lot of my time too much of it. Many, many hours spent in the bathroom. Mm. In my case, there are two quite large, significant skin cancer scars on my face that I choose to cover up. Without an elaborate daily makeup routine honed over several years at my bathroom sink, they would dominate my face. They would define the way people see me and by extension, the way I see myself. And that would make this thing called life much harder than it needs to be. You're thinking I can't be objective about this and you're right. I've been doing it for too long now to know how a stranger might react to my uncovered face. But I do remember the first time when my newly scarred face made a little girl in the library explode into tears and run to her mother. Mm. And I don't care to test the waters again. Wow. So that real experience of hers was the basis for this book. Absolutely. Because her niece, Lily, is the little girl 
Absolutely, um, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. Broke, burst into tears burst when she saw tears. her knee, her aunt's face after the accident. Yeah, mm. yeah. So she goes so on to really refer, powerful. Yeah, refer to, you know, ugly and what beauty is and her routine in, in Air Bunnies again, quotation marks. Mm. Even subjectively, though, most people don't like the look of their scars. They remind us of pain. I'm not grateful for my scars, though perhaps I should be. They are evidence of healing and survival. But I'm very grateful for the existence of beauty and for our inherent capacity to divine it. I have learnt the hard way that people really do judge a book by their covers. I do it to myself. Mm. It pays to remember sometimes that there is too much beyond what we see behind the bathroom mirror, beneath the layers. Beauty is worth penetrating. Mm. I got some goosebumps when I was reading that last night. That was a good find. Do you know, because it is, it explains the book and it helped me to connect with the book that there is a, a longer article obviously but I've just sort of put it put it together in a synopsis kind of form mm. it made me realize that maybe Carrie wasn't actually ready to dive deeper into right. the book than what I probably would have liked because she's as a human being as a woman she's actually dealing with it in real time right so this is not as fiction as what yeah perhaps we thought it would well perhaps what I thought it was and she says at the back of the book that she came up with this concept at a writer's retreat oh cool um I didn't I think that's oh, what no, she said. I, I did read that yeah oh yeah writer's center in the Perth Hills yeah um, a two-week residency that she did there so yeah it sounds like this is part of working through her thoughts on that yeah and I guess what I was going to say when we were talking about Campbell and you were saying that you didn't feel like maybe she had really resolved whether she felt beautiful at the end but Mm. I felt like the fact that because at the end it becomes clear that she's with Campbell yes um, after everything Mm -hmm. and that the fact that she could let him in enough that because she says something about how he gives her kisses and there's never yeah. enough or something yeah. like that. And the fact that she could let him in in that way to me meant that she's at least starting to accept her own beauty yep. and her own appearance. Yeah, mm. beautifully said. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Carrie Cox is going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tag her. Yeah. There's another couple of other things in the book like the actual title storyline so there's just Mm. so many different ways to tell stories yes yeah so she she talks about well she has a a person or a woman an older woman at the aged care facility that she visits every morning and they share a story whether it's made up or or real she has you know her her scars I guess are a a symbol for her stories and the journey Mm. that she's had so far Campbell then sort of creates this program at the aged care facility where he has some prompts and the aged care residents then tell a story and it helps them to just jog their memory and to help them connect with each other. There's all the stories that are shared at Nevada, her actual retreat, even the, you know, Lily's use of Instagram to tell stories as well, Mm. whether they're true or not is debatable. But (laughs) um, yeah, there's just a lot of different mediums I guess that they use for for storytelling right and I guess that just reminded me of Campbell's collection he liked to collect people's final words and that's kind of like the end of the story almost yeah Yeah. so creepy (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking it was really nice (laughs) oh it's funny though that uh, and I wish this element of the book was true so I'm hoping that it is but he does have some really random things that people say like I love you Mary but it's actually the person's mum and not 
the wife and I actually didn't like that story that was one thing I really enjoyed this book I don't Mm. know if it's clear I I thought it was beautifully written and I loved the 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 themes and it, it didn't bother me as much as as you that it didn't kind of really delve into exactly what she was thinking I, I mm. liked I, I see what you mean about the surfacey but I mm. kind of just saw that as you know everything it was sort of like the tip of the iceberg and mm-hmm. everything was happening under the water mm. but I didn't like that story so that story happens towards the end when Nessa's father mm. finally dies he's been suffering from is it can't does he have cancer yeah, I think yeah. He has cancer, yeah throughout most of the book and then he finally dies and it's at their funeral and the mm. mother who wasn't going to speak goes up and speaks and mentions that his final words to her were, I love you, Mary. And she said, it's funny because my name is actually Helen mm. and his mother's name was Mary. But the reason why I didn't like that story was because, first of all, if it was his mother, why would he say, I love you, Mary? He'd say, I love you, mom. Yeah. Or mom. I wonder if he was having an affair yeah. and he didn't know <laughs> <Yeah>. about it. <laughs> With somebody whose name is the same as his mom. And also, why would she have to say, my name is Helen at his funeral? Surely everybody would know his her name. I don't know. I didn't like that part. <laughs> There is something in here that I did want to talk about and it was when Campbell gives Ness the book. Right, that was um, close to the beginning. Yeah, yeah, about beauty and then she goes and reads that book by, I can't remember, I did write it down somewhere, Edmund Burke. And he's actually a real person, by the way, (laughs) because I Google that. He's an economist and a philosopher. Mm. And he talks about what is beauty, which I found really interesting because it helped her to... I think that was probably the beginning of her journey to t- try and reconcile with herself. But I'm not sure if she really did. And I and I love that Campbell ha- is trying these things with her, mm-hmm. but not in a really overt way. Yeah. And he's not gushing about her. And he's sort of very, not standoffish, but gives her something, but not enough. Yeah. Not enough to, for her to sort of clue onto the fact that he's actually really keen. Yeah, because I think if he were to do that, she would run a mile and oh, he knows sure. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I do have that little section about beauty. So just give me a second, oh, Jazz. Okay. And then he sets out to prove what beauty is. That what universal factors are common to anything that excites passion and joy. They are, and weirdly enough, smallness, hmm, smoothness. Gradual variation, delicacy and colour. On smallness, he points to the use of diminutive language to describe the things we love. A hand-me-down from the Greeks. Think, darling, and almost anything preceded by little. Big things, great things are admired, Burke says, but small things are loved. Oh, yeah, that is a great quote. That's so true, Uh isn't it? Yeah, loved it, loved it. And then she Mm. goes on to read the rest of it and it really starts to sink in with her. And she's reading it in a time where she's feeling really down about herself and it's actually really flipped her thinking about how she looks. And at the end of, you know, that chapter, she said, oh, neat trick philosophy. (laughs) (laughs) And I loved that. (laughs) How good is Campbell? Yeah, I know, I know. Just so unassuming and Mm. does not try to pressure her into anything. And even at the end of the book, when she does decide to go to the wedding, to the family wedding with Campbell, and they're walking back and taking all the plates, he doesn't even say anything like, I love you or let's give it a go Mm. or, you know, he's not even pushy. I think he uses words to the effect of I can I can come in if you want as in like you can let me in oh no you can let me in oh if that's you want. right yeah yeah so because that kind of out of nowhere yeah because she's yeah. built up all these walls mm. um and that's just and I don't can't remember exactly what it was but it was the perfect way to just say this is 
you know, I'm here for you and I can I can be that person for you. Yeah, subtle. Mm. This whole book is yeah, subtle, subtle. and Campbell way, yeah. is very subtle and I think that was the only way he could win Nessa over because with mm. anything overt, yeah, as we said, she'd run. Yeah. And he never comments on her appearance. Like I kept wondering, I kept wondering how they were going to, how Carrie would resolve this because the whole thing, as we've said, is, is Nessa going to be happy with her appearance in the end? But it would be a bit too sweet and unlike the rest of the book if she finally looked in the mirror one day and was like, actually, I'm beautiful. Yeah. Like, that would just be like, ugh. But yeah. the fact that that never happens and Campbell never says to her, oh, you're so beautiful. I, you know, I see yeah. beyond your scars. Yeah. N- nothing like that ever happened. And I'm so glad it was just that they went to this wedding. She was able to dance dance you know for the first time in since before the accident and I think you could kind of surmise there's a lot of surmising I think you needed to do with this book and you kind of had to surmise that she felt beautiful and comfortable enough around Campbell finally to let him in as he asks her to do finally and then you find out that you know, he, yeah, they're, they're, they're he was, he was together. Um, very much the tortoise, wasn't he? <laughs> he was yes, he really, was really slow playing the long away. game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which goes to show he was really committed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, more more to the point, we haven't even talked about the relationship between Vanessa or Ness and Lily. Right, or Maya, really, yeah. as well, and yeah. her hair that yeah. you <laughs> mentioned. Because yeah, okay, but anyway, yes, Lily is yeah. a very important character character in the book who is Nessa's niece Mm -hmm. who goes she's kind of well she's a typical teenager stuck to her phone and Ness decides that a good um, way for them to connect possibly and for Lily to help her with Nevada is she invites her to come to Nevada Mm -hmm. and be on one of these retreats and do her social media for her which she does really well but while Lily's staying there, Nessa begins to hear and see some things around Lily's personality and her behavior that start to yeah, concern some, her. Yeah, some red flags. Red flags, there, yes. absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. so... It is a, a great way for them to connect, I think, Nevada. And, you know, I think very early on in the book... you. Ness and Mayer are sitting in the kitchen and Lily enters and says, when are you going to let me take over their socials? And so she just jump. she doesn't jump on that, but she just sees that as a really good way to be around her niece and mm. try and break down her niece's walls as yeah. well, because this whole book is about walls mm. and I guess perception of beauty. Mm. So there are some, some things that happen on one of the retreats that really raise some red flags. And I just... I think that the two of them are both have this really distorted perception of what they look like and Lily thinks Nessa's beautiful and Nessa thinks Lily's beautiful Mm. um, but they don't see their own beauty and they do um, mirror each other but also go along on this journey together side by side I think. Um, They do talk about, you know, there are some trigger warnings in the book so there is um, some self-harming that... um, Lily does um, and she was posting photos up on Instagram and putting captions to them saying that she was so desperately sad but yeah Nessa started to follow her on Instagram and instead of engaging with the posts would just try and call her or text her and then the post would be removed so it was like Mm. typical teenage behaviour. Yeah Yeah. yes behaviour. Yeah but one of the people at the retreat talks about her own body dysmorphia Mm. and then 
Ness is in the difficult position of what to do with this information because she yeah. does want to betray her niece. Yeah. She wants to continue to foster the relationship that they're growing. But also, I mean, I think lots of us as adults have been in that kind of position of, uh, you know, caring about somebody, wanting to do the right thing mm. and not wanting to... Um, to fracture the relationship yeah, as well. And yeah, betray and betray the, the trust, yeah. Mm. So she does eventually tell Lily's mum, Maya, her sister, yeah. and Maya arranges for Lily to Well, Maya get gets a therapy. bit aggro about it, doesn't she? Does she? Yeah, I think she sort of t- gets a little bit huffy about it. It's the beginning of their sort of surface-level relationship. It's the first really awkward conversation that they've had because Nessa does walk on eggshells a bit for Maya, I think, in the book. I think they all sort of walk on eggshells around each other. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, they're all kind of on eggshells around. Yeah. Yeah, and especially around the whole accident, nobody really talks about it. Nobody talks about yeah. it. It's really sad. Yeah. Um, and then I think the biggest betrayal was when Lily posted a photo of Ness on Instagram, makeupless. Yeah. So um, there's a at Nevada. There's a, a dam that Ness loves swimming in and kayaking in, and the attendees to the to the retreat go kayaking and spend a lot of time around this dam. And I think it's really a place of healing and. I don't know. I want to say Phoenix, you know, like the Phoenix oh, rising rises. From yeah, the... but that's like when it burns. Yeah, I was going to say that's not <laughs> so water that's, though, but I feel like it's thing. a cleansing like a cleansing or a baptism yeah. or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think she Ness really does run to that place or drive to that place anytime that she's feeling a bit lost. Yeah. And it's actually the dam where the um, next door neighbor sees or someone sees her face for the real time without the um, makeup. Yeah, that's right. Time. And she yeah. says that looks like it hurt. I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so beautiful, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Lily does put on a, a post a photo of Ness on Instagram, and Ness is quite upset about it. Yeah. But again, because of this, the book is doesn't go into it very much. Mm. It kind of is a, can you please take that off? And um, Lily says, I'm sorry, Aunt Ness, and that's the end of it. Yeah, and they never really no. discuss it. But I think that that's how lots of people's relationships are. Some things are too difficult to discuss, and so people don't. I'm, I'm, I no, feel I, like you and I are not those sorts of people. <laughs> you and I are the sort of people who would be like, okay, we got to talk about yeah, this. We're going to sit down. We're going to book out an hour yeah. in our diaries. <laughs> And then maybe some, you know, questions afterwards and then we'll meet back in a week and we'll re- talk about this, okay? <laughs> but lots of people find, I mean, it is hard. It is mm. hard to have those conversations and yeah. and be vulnerable like that. Yeah, I definitely agree. Definitely. Yeah. Who else haven't we talked about? We've done Lily and Ness. Campbell. Campbell. Mum, Dad. Mm-hmm. The hair. No. The hair. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the questions in, because they do have some good book club yeah. type discussion questions at the end of this book. And one of them, one of them is, Ness says that Maya has great hair, so things tend to work out for her. While said partly tongue-in-cheek, Ness does believe that possessing aesthetic beauty can make the walk through life easier. To what extent do you agree with this? Oh, for sure it makes Absolutely. it. Why is that even a question? Who's going to say no to that? Who's going to go, I'm sorry, but I believe that like what you are on the inside is way more important. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. That was not a very... Yeah. That <laughs> was just like, clubby. yes, yeah. next, next. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a closed question. Yeah. You know, those ones that are supposed to generate conversation. Conversation, but they don't actually. They don't. Anyway, who else do we have to talk about? 
<laughs> no, um, in all reality, I do think it makes it easier. Oh, it does for oh. sure. Yeah, and yeah. again, like I think if you if you're the norm, life is easier. Mm-hmm. And we always talk about that in everything that we do. Like representation matters. I was just gonna say, yeah, I knew that you were always being on. <laughs> you can see it in my <laughs> eyes, can. couldn't you? Like, I was like, I'm about to say it. Representation. Yes, yes it yeah. definitely mm-hmm. does. And I, I did. I told you I went to this massive conference last year, and they were all like blonde you know, quite trim, white, and I was like, oh, where's me? (laughs) (laughs) Where's where's the one with black hair with brown skin and, you know, slightly overweight? (laughs) I was not there. So it does does make it hard to relate. Like, yeah, yeah, if you can't see yourself. So, yes, representation matters. Yes. Yeah. My best friend all through school was that was that girl oh. and she did have she she still continues to have perfect blonde hair she and, and she would she wake up everything. with it in the morning yeah she would i would be like oh there there she is again with her perfect <laughs> hair waking up <laughs> now we have to also talk about another spoiler alert the fire yes i think that's very symbolic yes yeah, yeah. talking about the phoenix you mm-hmm. mentioned rising yeah. from the fire yeah. what should we say about the fire well i think that it sort of gave everything a fresh start so to speak yeah so the fire demolished pretty much everything except Except. for the octagon room Mm. so yeah do you want to talk about the room do you remember yeah so there's a room in I guess it's I can't remember yeah it's in the middle of the of the retreat Mm -hmm. and I can't remember why it was like that did they give an I no, like I don't remember. Did. I don't think probably they didn't but talk about it. <laughs> they <all>. did. <laughs> they did talk about this octagon room quite a bit, though, and how it was a place where I think lots of people posted on social media mm, the pictures of themselves in there. Button. And Nessa felt, and it, it was a library as well. Ooh, yes, Tick. we love a library, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so people would go in there yeah. to read, and it had like this amazing Shea lounge in there as well. So right. people would like actually, you know, spend quite a bit of their time. I mean, they, and they always had their, is it the talking circles or their their last night was always spent in the octagon room? Right. Of every retreat, so. I feel like, yeah. Skylight. We d- yeah, skylight. Okay, because I was like, yeah. I feel like it was in the centre of the room, but also they talked about people sitting in the sun, so that yeah. was the skylights. Yeah. And that room was untouched by the fire. Yes. So there was lots of like water damage mm. and all sorts to other parts of the smoke. retreat. Yeah. Yeah, smoke damage and mm. everything, but. The library in the octagon room, everything was um, untouched. Yeah. So, yeah, so I think this was a, a real changing point in the story as well because of the fire came through and wiped out everything that Ness had been trying to preserve from her family's history. Mm-hmm. And then she just went through this real emotional battle about do they just re- like demolish everything and rebuild or mm. do they not do Nevada anymore? Does she just work at the aged care facility? She just really kind of came to a fork in the road she never really decided either no, she did it because it was a very subtle book <laughs> <laughs> no we didn't get talked through that very much but she just said that she just couldn't yeah they couldn't find it well she couldn't come around to a decision around that and I think it, it would have been a really difficult position to be in because Maya's husband Maya and her husband then part ways as well yeah so Rowan who is the husband is very much invested into Nevada but Maya didn't even visit it since the accident until the night of the fire. So, Mm. yeah, I could understand the connection that it had for her family and how that one place was bringing it to 
bringing them together even though mine had never visited mm. yet she bought you know all the crockery all the cutlery she had a, a library book to add to the collection mm. every time Ness saw her she invested quite a lot of herself into that um into Nevada but not physically whereas Rowan went there and did all the maintenance yeah. and everything so yeah I can understand that would have been a difficult choice about you know do you demolish it or where do you go from where do you go with this where do you go with life also I think you know Ness there's a, a couple of sentences in there about having children and she said you know of course mm. she can have children but she just doesn't think she's going to have children so does she see Lily as someone taking over the the retreat also Lily has started to invest so much into Nevada as well mm. and then it just sort of all gets burnt to the ground and mm. they're all so upset about it yeah it's yeah tough I think yeah yeah and I don't know if there is a right answer to that. Yeah, I see what you mean about wanting a second book after this to find yeah, out yeah. if she does what do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and do Maya and and Rowan end up back together, together? Because I was yes. so sad that they broke up. I mean, I could see that there was a wedge between them, mm. but all I feel like all of the men in this book were really lovely. Yeah, and yeah, Rowan was another one who yes, I just thought he yeah. was, and Nessa loved him. Absolutely. As her brother-in-law. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Nessa and Rowan would have like a beer and sit yeah. on the back porch and watch the sunset. And I think in towards the end there when Maya and um, Rowan had broken up, you know, there's a, com- a a bit of a deeper conversation that happens between Nessa and yes. um, Rowan. And Rowan is really invested in getting back together with Maya, but he knows that the accident really... I guess had a really big impact on her as well. So yeah, and I guess that's in, the in Maya. Yeah, yeah. You don't really real. Well, I guess you can kind of surmise that it did have quite an impact on Maya from certain things, like the fact that she called it the the guilt the voucher. guilt voucher <laughs> yeah. and things like that. But yeah, yeah it was all unsaid mm. between her and Nessa. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Now you see, at the end of the book, you see that it's impacted her relationship to the point where it's fractured. And it's because of this, it seems like undealt, undealt with trauma from the accident and leaving all these things unsaid and pushed down. Yeah, and everybody had that undealt trauma. And Mm. even, you know, the dad on on his, you know, when he was dying, he he said, it's okay now, you can just be yourself or Mm. you don't have to wear that makeup or something. It was very profound, but, you know, can I remember it now? No. (laughs) (laughs) Very lovely. Good work, Dad. Yeah, but it just, it had, it it impacted everybody. That one moment in time impacted everybody in a different way and... I think, yeah, I think I'm now after talking this out, I'm actually really coming around to the subtleness of this book. That happens to me on this podcast all the time. Yeah. I, that's part of why yeah. I love it because I realise a bunch of things while we talk about it that yeah. I didn't realise while I was reading yeah. the book. Oh, well, I think maybe my, I guess my life experience is different to your life experience and um, literature, like good books, bring that out and you use your prior knowledge and your prior understanding of situations and you think oh yeah that's not really for me because I'm a talker and I'd like to get that Mm. out. I'd want to get that in the open but when you can actually talk to someone else about it and someone has a different point of view that you can appreciate and acknowledge I think that really does can help you to not only grow and learn but it does help change your perception around lots of things not just books so as you're talking I'm realizing yeah because have you ever read any Sally Rooney no I um, Should I? No, Should well, I put we my red pile. Well, oh. we read the book Normal People, and one of the things I hated oh, about that people. book was yeah. the was the way they didn't speak to each other. So as I, as we're having this conversation, I'm trying to figure out why did I hate that so much? Yeah, because they didn't talk. I watched the and the 
TV show. Oh, okay, so you know. Stand, so I, yeah, but it's never as good, is it? Yeah, no, <laughs> it's yeah. probably never as. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen it, so okay. I'm not sure. People loved it though. Yeah, but because there was a lot of nudity in it. Oh uh, yes, right. <laughs> and I heard there were very attractive people oh, in it. So where in the book, they yeah. weren't supposed to be that attractive. But anyway, see attractiveness. Yeah, yeah there you beauty. go. Yeah. There you go. That's what we're talking about. Gets the ratings. <laughs> yeah, I guess because in the Sally Rooney books, a lot of the conflict awry- arose from the fact that they just didn't talk to each other about mm. stuff. Where that's not the case in this book. I think maybe that's what the difference is yeah. for me. Yeah, communicating with people is just such a good indicator of success. So, you know, with my teacher hat on, like mm. oral language is a huge indicator of success. And that's not just success in your professional life, mm. but in your personal life Absolutely. and having relationships with people and being able to communicate your needs and your wants and what is upsetting you is, is, mm. is really huge and it's really impactful as well. So the power of language and the power of storytelling Oh, yes, um, very, very impactful. And I just thought that there is a little bit in here about the neuroscience of storytelling. Oh, yes, share that bit. Brain. Yeah. yeah. So this is a conversation that Nessa is having with her dad. So she goes and has, she visits her dad as her dad is health deteriorating. She goes and visits him every Tuesday after work and she's talking to her dad about, I think it was the idea that Campbell had about sharing stories. So she starts off by saying... I quickly move on to explain the thinking behind Campbell's idea about the link he'd sent me later that day to an article about the neuroscience of storytelling. One reason the brain falls in love with with a story, it said, is because the physical act of hearing stories encourages the release of oxytocin, the nice hormone that controls things like empathy and social interaction and decreases cortisol, the stress hormone. I'm quietly surprised I remember all this. So we naturally become invested in a story, I explained to Dad. We care about what happens and it feels good. I mean, Mm. isn't that just the perfect quote to end on for all of us bookworms (laughs) and all of us who love a story and love reading stories? It decreases cortisol and the stress hormone. That's Mm. why we read. That's right. We read. We love a narrative here in library land. (laughs) Very fortunate. It was a great selection. Oh, yeah, I was really yeah. happy with it too. That doesn't yeah. always happen because, yeah, full disclosure, we had another book chosen <laughs> and we were struggling with it. And so this was, we kind of chose this on a on a whim. This is a firm press who also did Pip Williams's book, oh, yeah. uh, Dictionary of Lost Words mm-hmm. and the Bookbinder of Jericho. So yeah, another great one from a firm press. I was really, yeah, uh, really loved it. And thank you for this opportunity because being able to talk about it with you has actually changed my thinking around it. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, it was just. Yeah, sometimes I just need to just chill. I think. Join (laughs) up. Just expect it. Just you know, accept what it is for what it is, and it is is a thing of beauty. This is why it's good to join a book club, yes. everyone. Yeah, talk totally. about bo- talk about your books. Yeah, it changes and a, things. And a book club is just two people like us. That's <laughs> right. Look at us. We've been in club. a book club. Yeah. <laughs> now we have been talking for a while, and we mm. still haven't talked about what else we've read. So, Salma, do you want to? Because I you know, read? I haven't hardly read anything. Yeah, and I can't. I, I can and I can't believe that because you've just had like this month long retreat, which she's going on another month. Everybody, another <laughs> month long retreat. So while Paula's mental health is amazing. <laughs> My mental health is like a spider's web. Sorry, boss. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm going to be just reading more stories so I can yeah, just decrease so cortisol. my cortisol. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, flowing out of you. Yes. So yeah. what books have made your cortisol leave your body um, lately? Okay, so I did read, as I said, Lessons in Chemistry. That was amazing. 
Honeybee and Jasper Jones by Craig Silvey. Oh, you read both of them? I read both of them because I have a, a friend who works in another library and I just, we send recommendations to each other and I said, oh, I've read Honeybee and she goes, oh, I haven't read that but I've read Jasper Jones mm. and, she was, and I was like, oh, maybe I should read that. Love them both. Honeybee... Like, you know, I, I messaged you and I was like, please tell me something good happens to this kid because I don't think I can persevere with this book. <laughs> this, it just opens up to his attempted suicide scene. Mm. So, and then it's just like this unlikely, somebody saves him and they form this unlikely friendship. And it is just, it's a real, you know, like books normally have peaks and troughs. Mm. He just like peaks, like it just goes up and up and up. Right. And all, of his, all of the experiences that he goes through, it's just very, yeah, it's, it's full on. That sounds like cortisol building. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it wasn't very relaxing. <laughs> and even at, at the end, like you'd, you'd hope it climaxes and everything gets wrapped up neatly. It did not. <laughs> right. I need to go back to James Patterson. Um, <laughs> I read Paradise by Patricia Wolfe, which is like an outback crime, which I love. That's my favourite. It follows D.S. Walker. The first book he was in, Kaludi, which was real like rural Queensland. And he's following this crime family and they've now set up on the Gold Coast. So that was the second book in Paradise. I'm Glad My Mum Died by Jeanette oh. McCurdy. I'm glad she died too, Jeanette McCurdy, if you're listening. She was awful. <laughs> she was. Yeah. And I love that one. Um, I mean, that was a really good book. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's was, talented, Jeanette McCurdy. She's a talented writer. I loved how I she know. read that book as well. Yeah. Like, right. Because I listened to it in audio book, okay. obviously. Um, oh, that would be good. It was so good. She was she was wonderful. And it was only like five hours. Okay. <laughs> Just went like really quickly. Jeanette McCurdy is the actress from iCarly for yeah. anyone not... No, I didn't know that. Mm. And I think I'm probably really late to the party on this one too, but I read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, which is like loosely based on Elizabeth Taylor's life, I think. And also I want to say Rita Hayworth because mm. Rita Hayworth was made to change her name. She was actually Spanish or Mexican. Uh. She was South American maybe and she was made to change her name to Rita Hayworth. And also the last person that it was based on was Ava Gardner. Oh, who, yeah. Who told some secret stories to a journalist right yeah so I love that I loved the relationship between Evelyn Hugo and I think it was I want to say Celia Celia oh, yes. St. James was, yep. the, was the her love interest so yeah right. it was, I've just read some really really epic books lately so you can understand off the back of some of those why in the beginning right um, an hour ago I didn't feel <laughs> like storylines hit the mark but right. I love that as an author, you can you can do something really powerful, but you can also do something really subtle, mm. and they give equal enjoyment. Yeah, 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 yeah. What have you read, Paula? Well, as I've been saying, <laughs> outing myself, I haven't read a lot. I also read. I'm glad my mum died, and I agree with you. That mm. was yeah. I'm also. I think she's. Everyone's glad she died. Yeah. She sounds so <laughs> horrible. And then we, I talked about it on the podcast last time. Yellow Face was our yes. um, episode. I really, really enjoyed that book. Yeah. That's in my to be read pile. So right. Yes, I've got it in my audiobook so I'm waiting for it to come that's another easy read you can you just uh, power yep. through that one um <laughs> everyone, yeah yeah everyone's a having a good time everyone's having a good time Gosh. the bosses are in the podcast <laughs> and everyone's having a good time in the yeah, library librarians gone wild <laughs> <laughs> the only other one uh fairy tale by stephen king yes. which is not my normal read but i and it was extremely long i think i talked about this in the podcast Ooh. before but it had a dog that i really loved in it so what genre is it because this stephen fantasy King, stephen king writes many genres yeah 
Okay. But I would say this is fantasy, which okay. is I don't, one. Really, yeah. I don't normally either, but I listened to this one as well. How so many hours did that it take? It was hours and hours. I can't even remember. It was a big, thick audiobook with, mm. I don't know, like I in his 11, 22, 63 mm-hmm. book as well, that was like 30 odd discs oh or something gosh. in the audiobook. It was Whoa. crazy. So yeah. That verbose man, much, yeah. Stephen yeah. King. But yeah. A verbose <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what's in your to-be-read pile? Do you have a to-be-read pile? I do. I know you and I both have chai time in Cinnamon Gardens. Yes. Yes, we had an event last month, and we had Mostly Books. Somebody from, Rachel from Mostly Books, come out and talk to us about some books that she's been loving recently. Mm -hmm. And chai time in Cinnamon Gardens was one she raved about. So I'm still putting that in my to-be-read pile. Mm -hmm. She also mentioned Loot by Tanya James. She... Mm. That was the one that, remember that she said that... Was that about pirates? It's about, it was about a mechanical tiger. Do you remember her saying that? (laughs) Yeah. It's about war, displacement, emigration, and an elusive mechanical tiger. Oh, but she said, remember she said Annie said that it was like the best book that she'd read that year. Yes, I do remember that. And so I, none of those things sound like my type of book, but just she raved about it. So I was like, oh, maybe I should check Mm. that out. Hmm. Mm. And did, also lessons a, in chemistry. Yes, I have please because read that. yeah, please read. That. I've actually but got I've just a copy. given you so many spoilers about that. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> true. It's true. Every day that I was reading that, I was like, and did you know? And have you read? And <laughs> and then I probably was in like a bit of a slump for a while. I was a bit sad because Calvin died. Whoops! Sorry, I'll, for, I'll, I'll forget them all. I'll forget them all. They'll be new to me. Yeah, <laughs> I do have Cinnamon Gardens in mind. I've also got the Villain Edit, written by Alicia Aiken Radburn, who we have had here at Marion Library. So I've got her book. I've put it on my to be read. And there's a couple of books coming out that I'm interested in reading. Mm. One of them is Baby Does a Runner. And that is by an author called Anita Rani. And she's sick of her life in Australia, I guess, and her inability to form relationships with men and her mum and dad letting her know it's time to settle down and have babies because she's Indian and that's what we do at a certain age. And she obviously does not want to do that. So she finds some, she's cleaning out some stuff, she finds some love letters between her grandparents and then she decides to take a trip to India to find out more about her history and herself and her family. So, Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, so I've read, I've read a couple of things recently around Indians and Indian heritage and being one myself. So yeah, I read Good Indian Daughter and my mum read it as well. And that was actually really sad, but also funny at the same time. Mm. And the other one I read was Holy Cow about Sarah, someone who can't remember her name, but she went and lived in India for a year. Oh, so it's nonfiction. It was nonfiction. Mm. She was, uh, she is, was, she was a triple J um, oh, right. Broadcaster. Oh, yeah. Sounds familiar. Holy Cow, it's called. So yeah. So I just want to try and keep that run of literature going I guess Mm. and get some yeah good quality books around that because I think being able to recommend that kind of stuff to my friends and family Mm. is good too. Did you have that pressure in your life before you had kids to have kids? I was the third child so I basically raised myself and got away with a lot (laughs) and also I came to Australia when I was like four so I probably like the only time that I really feel Indian is when I look into a mirror. Right. So similar to probably what Ness <laughs> thinks about, well, I mean, she's very 
significantly traumatised from mm. her accident. But, yeah, I guess everywhere I've looked, it's been in, you know, a white Australia. So I right. never really noticed that about myself. That's funny. That's yeah. what Catherine Tamiko Argyle, who oh, we've yes. had here before, she says that about herself being raised in Tokyo. Like she, because she saw all Japanese faces around her all the time. And then when she would look in the mirror, it would shock her because, yeah. 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 Mm. Absolutely. And because I don't sound it either. I mm. don't have an Indian accent. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, so it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that to me, but the older I get, it's important. And having children of my own, it's important for me to, I guess, try and maintain my Indianness yeah. to pass down to my half Indian kids. Yeah. Being a half. <laughs> yeah, a half. Myself. Of yeah, you know what it's I get like. It. Yeah. 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 And, you know, just talking through w- with my kids. And I think stories do that, like whether mm. they're a fiction or a non fiction, like all of these fiction stories are so well researched now that mm. authors do such a fantastic job at conveying the true feelings of, of people around the time or how people are feeling through their journey. So I think it's really important for me to, to keep connecting to that, those types of writers. And isn't that great that we have those books I know, in? I know. Yeah, yes. that, that they're being published now, yeah, so you never can. Never would have happened when I was young. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Again, representation I know, matters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are fast running yeah, out of time. Sorry, yeah. You know what I feel like? I feel yeah. like this is like Annabelle and Lee. Lee's always got to run. Lee Sales always has to run off. Yes, and I do have to run yeah, off. <laughs> you have to run kids. off. So. Otherwise, I'm going to be that mum that's leaving her kids to last. So you've got one minute because my my laptop is packed up. Yep. Okay. Well, I'll just mention then, normally at this point, I would talk about industry news. I'll just mention that the Booker Prize 2023 shortlist is out. I'll get Jazz to put a link to what's on the shortlist in the show notes. So... To wrap up, I will let you know that next month we will be sharing a recording of a writing panel that we had at Mm. the Marion Cultural Centre Domain Theatre a few months ago with Trisha Stringer, Victoria Perman and Sean Williams. And they very generously shared stories from their early publishing history. So when they were just starting out as new authors and they Mm. had some really great advice for people who are just starting out on their writing careers. So if you missed that, I w- and you are a writer and you are looking for those kinds of tips, I would highly recommend you tune in next month and hear what they had to say. Oh, brilliant. Thanks for having me, Paula. Oh, it was it's so much fun, fun Selma. Yeah. So, yeah, tune in back in with us and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> The Here's your outtake, Jess. Yes, yes. Sorry. <laughs> Hunters. Yes. <laughs> bye, Jess. Bye. 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 The City of Marion acknowledges that the Literary Anything podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Garna people and recognizes the Garna people as the traditional custodians of the land. 